Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. Today, I have a badass woman that is her history, her journey. Um, It's just something that when I read about it, I wanted to have her on our program. Uh, Victoria Pelletier is here. She she had some early trauma. Her story is one of resilience. Um, At 24, she became a corporate executive, actually a COO, a chief operating officer, and uh, by 41, she was the CEO. So um, uh, there's more to the story. And I'm going to let Victoria tell it. Victoria Pelletier, welcome to One Sharp Sword. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here with you. Amazing. So um, you didn't wake up one day and go, darn it, I am going to be a badass. I'm going to stand for women and diversity and inclusion and I'm going to show the world what I'm made of. Um, Something makes you do that. So talk a little bit about your journey. Where did you grow up? I know where you are now. Where did you grow up? How did you grow up? And and, um, if you don't mind talking about the trauma. Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to, although I will tell you, and I didn't, I wasn't always comfortable sharing so openly about the lived experience um, that I'd had, but the more and more I spent time coaching and mentoring people who wanted to understand how I'd achieved what I'd achieved. Why was I so driven? Where did this kind of persona and personality come from? I realized I had to start talking about my why to borrow from Simon Sinek. And so for me, I'm, my why is that I was born to a drug addicted teenage mother who was exceptionally abusive to me. And I went in and out of the child welfare system a number of times. Although my biological mother, Julie, met a couple whom eventually became my adoptive parents after a number of episodes. Uh, they of when I say episodes and air quotes, uh, abusive episodes, she'd give me to the the people that ultimately became my my parents, my my mom, the woman who raised me, asked to take me away uh, from Julie, and that was the most selfless thing she could have done after a really horrible first number of years with her. And so, my parents. I'm originally from Canada. Your listeners might hear the slightest bit of an accent, usually only when I say out and about. Uh, and uh, they moved across Canada to create distance uh, with my biological mother. And so I grew up in Calgary, which is like Texas North, uh, oil and gas city. Uh, and that's where I went to school. Although I ever, I since then, I got recruited right out of college or university to go to Toronto. And I've been an East Coast girl ever since. But that, that story, that trauma, um, and many other things. Um, I think I put myself in difficult situations because I was uh, afraid of rejection, uh, and never feeling good enough. And so I showed up in certain ways or put myself in situations with people and relationships. And uh, it is all of those things, including a lower socioeconomic um, status. My my dad was a school janitor, my mama secretary. So my mom told me when I was 11, she's like, Tori, you need to do better than us. And she meant by education and vocationally, uh, but she didn't have to say those. So no way. And I didn't, you know, wake up one day and say, hey, I'm just going to be a badass. But I knew I was going to be better than biology or circumstance. So that's why why, and that's why I'm as driven uh, as I am today. That's amazing. It's um, 
it is a huge, huge lesson that um, even the highest achievers need to keep focusing on is what are you doing for the sake of good enough? And what are you doing in search of love? Right. Are you lovable? And, um, and are you good enough? And the answer is yes. And yes. Um, and you don't have to put yourself in really precarious situations to prove it. And yet so many people do. And a lot of people, a lot of the failure, and I know that you do corporate speaking as well. And a lot of the failure that, uh, that leaders encounter that any of us encounter as humans is in search of something that we believe we don't have. Um, so I think that's, I think that's awesome that somewhere inside of you, there was this drive to survive. Um, but I also like to think one more thing, and then I'm going to uh, ask you another question or turn it back to you to, to talk about your journey. Um, is I like to think that survival is actually part of a dis-ease, right? That we break that word down to dis-ease, that, that we're meant to thrive, actually. And so if you're at survival level, it's like there is something more, and, and it's really up to us to get there. Um, cool. So two things. One, your thoughts to what I just said. And two, what did you study in college? <laughs> uh so I um I I agree and it's funny you say this ease even the word ease for me I I feel like our growth doesn't come unless we put ourselves in the places that make us uncomfortable and so I like to sit in that level of discomfort and in maybe because that's what I experienced early on it's why I'm quite comfortable with change and challenge and what that transformation is going to look like. And so fight or flight, you know, I'm a fighter for sure. And I want it. And I'm also like, I'll, I'm the the one who kind of breaks things just to put them all back together again. I've never been like a status quo kind of girl, but interestingly, what I studied in college, uh, I'm not going to say it doesn't have anything to do with um, what I do today. I did an undergrad in psychology with a plan on being a lawyer. And I thought, even though I, in, I, um, tutored math and sciences in school. So like when we think left brain, right brain, although I actually was also in, in the arts and I was in drama, but so all about math and sciences, I wanted nothing to do with that for an undergrad. I took psychology because I thought it would help me understand the people I was going to later defend in corporate or criminal law. Uh, but I worked for a bank while I was in university and got promoted very quickly up through the ranks and realized I loved the corporate world and I loved being a leader. And what I thought was just going to be one more year, one more year before law school never happened. Um, so I now actually read way more legal contracts than, um, perhaps I might've in. uh, I feel like if I was a lawyer. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what are you doing now? Are you, are you at a bank and no, no, I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not. So it's funny if any of your listeners decide to go and like, look me up on LinkedIn and they might, a lot of people go like, I don't see this as this totally linear path and it's not, but tangentially it's all related. So when I worked in banking and because I was in college, I worked in their contact center, right? 24-7 environment, although thankfully I never had to do those crazy overnight shifts, but flexible for my work, for my school schedule. And so I got, got promoted up through the contact center environment within banking. And that first exec role at 24 was a result of um, that experience, one, being in financial services and two, leading large operations within contact centers. I got recruited to be the COO for a outsourcing organization, which was primarily contact center. 
And that began, and my whole career since then has been in B2B professional services. Consult to operate with technology as the enabler. Started in that kind of, you know, our mess for less by outsourcing, doing back office and telemarketing and sales and service, and has grown to do a variety of things, including I'm just transitioning out now. I'll be out by the time your listeners hear this episode, but have been working for Accenture for the last couple of years, which is a consulting and technology and outsourcing organization. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. So um, so where are you headed? Like, what's your what's your trajectory from here? I have a few different opportunities that I'm exploring. Um, one of them, it, well, actually, almost all of them seem to be in the like technology and services related space, uh, either as the CEO, COO, or in a transformational role within those organizations. Um, I, you know, I made the decision to leave Accenture, thinking I would take one or two paths, and one was to go back to being a CEO of an organization uh, directly versus being the consultant to, and my team's being consultants to those C-suite executives, or staying in the big Fortune 100, running a market or a business unit. Although a lot of people seem to be calling me towards because of my path around mergers and acquisitions and lots of transformational uh, turnarounds. Uh, and as I said, not not a status quo girl. I like to fix things, so I could very well be down that path. So next time you and I speak, I'll be able to tell you more definitively which of those options I've taken. That's awesome. That's great. And you've, I mean, you've done some speaking, you've done, um, are you writing also? Yes. Uh, so I, I I like to describe myself as a multi-potentialite and just that I have very diverse interests uh, all over. And so I have my hands on lots of things. And so yes, corporate day job, I sit on boards. I um, co-authored a book a number of years ago, although I've been writing articles, both whether it's LinkedIn, I've contributed to Forbes and Fortune and other places like that, do uh, and do a lot of media work uh, and public speaking. I started 20 years ago, really just for, 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 my, for my work, speaking at conferences um, and business-related events, and then maybe 10 years ago or so, I shifted to start to be paid for it. Uh, and speak on very different topics, um, so such as you know trauma and uh, overcoming adversity and resilience to just leadership and culture and diversity and inclusion and things that are really close to my heart that I'm exceptionally passionate about. So the theme that carries through, the, this goes to psych for a second, and the theme that carries through about you, one, is, well, the main theme is resilience, and that's based in a really strong um self-image like the your ability to understand that no matter what's thrown at you you're going to figure it out right absolutely <laughs> I, don't so, get I don't get flustered easily yeah so this is the thing like the reason i wanted to pause there and, and actually highlight that is is that um you called yourself a multi-potentialite which is a great word because i think every person really is and that there's fear that stops people from sitting on a board because you know that may be a little bit too much of those people and i'm not one of those people and um you know the the self-judgment versus the i have something to say i would love to contribute to this organization right the um oh i could never run a business because and all the all the stories that flood uh people's minds and um and it's like you know what try it <laughs> try it um you've i i'm 
I'm allergic to when uh, business mentors say, you know, get out there and fail, get out there and fail fast. And it's like, failure is part of the process. The message I think is convoluted, you know, or, or contorted in when we say fail, get out and fail. It's like, get out and, and do and learn from the things that don't work. Um, so with that, what have been the things in your life where you've gone, oh, dang, like, that's one where I thought this was going to be an easy way through and surprised, like, I have to figure out another way. Yeah, I am. Um, you, you know, I think that 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 fight or flight in me, as I said, you know, I'm I'm going to continue to punch through and it seems like it's impossible and, and nothing is one of my mo mantras is and i sign most of my social media posts with like unstoppable and no excuses those are the two that i normally sign and and i've been through others where and it's where things are not fully in our control and particularly in business you know we're, we're not we're relying upon our teams our clients it's a highly matrixed organization all of these sorts of things and i've I talked about my work in transformation and M&A and I've been, there's one I can think of in particular, Wayne, that I would share. There was many, many years ago, uh, we, uh, the company I was working for, we acquired six companies over the span of only about 18 months. And I was wow. running all of the operations. Wow. Uh, and so 80% of our, our, our employee count sat in that, in my remit. And so like one, I was on the road about a hundred percent of the time it felt like, uh, but there came significant challenge with that. And I remember it was the first time this Canadian girl got relocated to New York. And I remember there was like some people that were reporting into me. They're like, well, first of all, and I was maybe 30 at the time. So, you know, this young executive woman who's coming down from Canada, like, what does she know? Um, and I was used to, I'd, I'd actually been a part of many other sort of um, uh, acquisitions or integrations prior to this one in particular. And it was one woman, actually, I just, you know, we, when going through these, there's a lot you have to do from a change management and communication standpoint, there's lots of synergy and cost takeout and people lose their jobs, uh, you know, through this sadly, but this was one that was so critically important. One of the things I'd done is learn the relationships and connections with people and a uh, very large client who has absolutely adored her. And she, it took me a solid year, a solid year to win this woman over, but she was critical to our organization. It was a $50 million client for us. So I couldn't make that go wrong, but I had to change my approach in terms of how I, you know, came in with her. And I think the fact that, again, my focus around diversity and being very aware of different cultures and things like that allowed me to kind of come in and just try some very different things. What I did at first with her that I'd done in the past wasn't working. So I, I needed to change, you know, the way I communicated with her, what sort of information she needed to get her fully on board on the bus um, so that we could move forward as an integrated company. I think that's so important. Again, it's another, it's another lesson, you know, that, that so many leaders have failed at and need some guidance at it's, um, you know, people must do it my way. This is the way I communicate. They're going to need to to understand me versus you come in and you go, she's important and somehow we're not communicating. Let me try a different way. Fantastic, right? The, I mean, that's the whole thing is what am I missing? I mean, one of my messages, I, I've got a TEDx out there with about 2 million views on it. And one of the messages in that is, um, 
recognize that you've got blinders that you don't know about recognize that you've got blind spots and by nature blind spots are you can't know about them so make one assumption and that's that you don't know everything so approach from a different direction yes see what you can see from a different place a different vantage point yeah so that's awesome amazing You are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event. www.ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. This is really great. The, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, some of the the questions that I've lined up for you, and I mean, do you want to talk about personal brand? Sure, happy to. Yeah, it uh, it's I. There's one talk I give in particular, and it's my unstoppable. That's as I told you, that's my mantra. That's the the name of the book that I co-authored, and and it's that keynote that I deliver. And I start with my why, much like I've shared with you and your listeners. Uh, but then I say so that that's 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 what drives me that you know desire to be you know better than you know biology and circumstance. But there's things I very much attribute um, to my career success, the performance and in skills and making sure we stay relevant for and and now in this new future of work is where that we're in now is is very much about skills. So that's important. Resilience is one of those, the ability to create boundaries for me to be able to do all of this as a multi-potentialite and a parent and wife and all those sorts of things. But the other one I spend a lot of time on is personal brand and by extension, your your networking. And I I think 20 something years ago, when I moved into that COO role at 24, I had been, one, I was in B2C, large banking environment. I didn't need to be in front of clients in this, like customers, but not clients in the same way. And then you, you respond to, you know, it's requests for proposals, RFPs that you get in that environment. And I started to, and, and in this case, I'd gone from operations to all of a sudden leading pretty much every functional area except for finance and needed to learn a lot about how we sold uh, in the business. And in RFPs, you know, then it, it, procurement looks at dollars and cents, but the person who actually has to run the business and is accountable for their customers, et cetera. And so it was without the vernacular back then, I realized you know, people do business with people they like and trust and want to do business with. So what was going to make me as the leader or my team who was directly selling and then delivering the work different? What was our unique value proposition for those that would buy from us other than being price and quality of service? And so that's where it began. And I've since spent a significant amount of time building my own. I am more than any one company that I have worked for, nor the job title that I've held. And so for me, when I talk to people about their personal brand, it's definitely the the part that most people just tune in on, which is what I would describe as the eminence, the subject matter expertise for which you're known, whether it's the job function or the industry that you're known for. That's only one piece. The next is what 
makes you different? What is that unique value proposition? And that's where the whole person comes in. So for me, as a person who's maniacally focused on human-centered, responsible leadership and creating great work environments, that's an, that's who I am. I speak with radical candor. I will not shy away from the difficult conversations, but I do it from a place of care. Those are all things that make me different and people know that they're who they're dealing with. And then the other piece with that is, you know, what, what do you want to be known for? Like I'll donate my body to science. So there's not going to be a tombstone, but if there was, it wouldn't have on there the sales or business results that I've delivered. I want it to be about the impact I've had on the communities, you know, and all those that I've had the opportunity to serve with and help support. Uh, so those pe- people need to be thinking about that. And my, my older son is just coming out of college at 23 and I'm talking to him about this and I'm like, you know, buddy, you're going to need to get on LinkedIn. First of all, he's like, oh, that's only for old people. I'm like, well, sorry, I guess I'm old, but that's where it's all happening, dude. So like get on there and start to be building it now. And you can, the other thing, last thing I'd say, and before I turn it back to you, Wayne, is I think um, like build it immediately. You need to curate it. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room and then live, be con- incredibly consistent about it, but you can pivot and change. You know, I wasn't always um, known for this kind of leadership. I heard, you know, in my late 20s, I was called the Iron Maiden. And that's because I I wasn't vulnerable. I, you know, was afraid of whether it's rejection or I didn't feel like I always belonged in those boardrooms. So I showed up in a certain way that actually wasn't who I really was. So that was a pivot point for me. And so then I needed to be really intentional about swinging the other way and making sure that people knew that. So your audience should be comfortable recognizing that it can change over time. What we want career-wise, what we want our legacy to be um, can evolve and change. It not only can, but will, right? It's supposed to. Like, if you think about it, you're not who you were 20 years ago. Any audience member, as you listen to this or watch this, you think back 20 years ago, you know, clearly you're not who you were, right? 10 years ago. You're not that person. You're not that person from five years ago, two weeks ago, or even yesterday. And uh, Victoria, you you used the word intentional. That's exactly right. So when you're intentional, you get to choose who you're becoming. And, And, you know, recognizing that you are not who you were yesterday, intentionally today, who do you want to be tomorrow? Who do you want to be five years down the road? Who do you want to be 20 years down the road. I want to highlight some of the things you said. You saw me writing while you were speaking. Um, let me highlight some of the, the some of the brilliance that came out of you. Um, recognize again that business is done by being well-known, well-liked, well-trusted. The known like trust. That's It's so important to remember that, um, that if you're in business, if you are meeting somebody new, what is it about you that they will know you for? What is it about you that they will like you for? What is it about you that they will trust you for? Um, I had an author recently on, um, he wrote a book on trust. And one of the things he talked about was benevolence. Do you believe that I have your best interest at heart? And that is what starts the the trust lever. Like that's the leverage there. Um, you use the word eminence, which I love. Uh, otherwise known as subject matter expertise. Amazing, right? So what is your subject matter expertise? Can you categorize it? Um, What is your difference, your unique selling proposition, right? What makes you different? Um, I used to work with dentists and and, um, 
what makes you different as a dentist? Like why you, why your team? And um, in, in doing consulting with dental practices. And uh, it's like, well, they can trust us. You know, we have integrity. It's like, well, awesome. Are you saying that every other dentist or every other plumber or every other electrician or every other professional doesn't? You know, like, so what makes you different? Um, and then what do you want to be known for? You didn't use this word. Legacy is so important that at some point you stop thinking about look at me at some point you stop thinking about do i have stability you start thinking about what legacy am i leaving for others whether that's my kids or the next generation or the community i love all that and then um build it now curate pivot and change that could be like the quote of the of the podcast because as as a good human, build it now, yeah, and recognize that the same way that you aren't the same person you were twenty years ago, you must pivot, you must change. I uh, I I call that forthrightness. Like I, in my vision statement for my company, I don't actually have integrity and honesty as as stated values because I put that under forthrightness. The pivot is a part of the process. So if I say I'm gonna do this and then I must pivot, did I break my word because I said I was gonna do this? No, forthrightness says, I'm gonna tell you that we needed to change and here's why. So um, so pivot and change, it's all part of, it's part of uh, stability actually. Like people think of change as so disruptive. Change is part of what creates stability. So um, that's a long that's a long response to what you offered. I, uh, you know, I'm hoping that I highlighted all the <laughs> all of or most of the important points that you were saying. I think you. I think you got them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I've been doing this a while. You've been doing this a while. It's amazing. I uh, I always appreciate meeting people who uh, who have this approach of um, <laughs> it's either follow me uh, or it's just get out of my way. Um, and and if you get out of my way, at least learn from me. Um, you also have a spirit of. Um, you don't necessarily need to follow me, but I am going to reach back and help lift you. Like that's part of your spirit as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a part of the, the legacy that I want to lead. I want to be known for that. Awesome. Awesome. What, uh, there's so much that, you know, I have in front of me as notes. There's so many notes I've taken. Um, and I feel like we've covered a lot in a short amount of time. What uh, did I not ask you that you were thinking or hoping we would talk about? Uh, maybe because we're recording this at the start of Pride Month. I know your listeners won't hear it during this month, but um, diversity, equity, and inclusion is something that I have been absolutely, absolutely committed to and an advocate for for as long as I can remember. And even though I I have great privilege as a white woman born in North America, uh, hearing my early trauma, hearing lower socioeconomic conditions, 
Um, I came out at 14 as bisexual. My first marriage was to a woman. I'm now married to a man. Um, I have a trans child. Uh, I have friends of all different faiths, um, gender identities, sexual identities, religion. Uh, and I've just seen the richness that it brings um, to not only my life individually by having this very diverse you know, group of people in my life, uh, but within our workplaces and our communities. Uh, so that's another area where the word intention uh, for me comes up. I talk a lot about being strategically intentional. And I've been fortunate to be able to, not only in my public speaking, but in my day job, Accenture originally recruited me for our CEO and board transformation practice. And so working with CEOs and board members on the intersection of whatever transformations happening in their business, it could be an acquisition, it could be a digital transformation, but the intersection with their own leadership and culture. And um, always an element of that is creating this great, you know, culture and environment and sense of belonging. But to do that, um, I always talk about diversity and how do we create the inclusive environment and the sense of belonging for people. So that's just something super near and dear to my heart. Um, I um, believe greatly in not just doing it because it's the right thing. It actually, you know, brings incredible results, not only for all the people, but if we're going to talk about business, uh, business results as well. Awesome. It's amazing. Um, in my personal vision, I have 11 values, and one of them I talk about um, responsibility, that uh, we need we recognize the need to be socially, socially responsible and good citizens, um, being responsible to each other and to ourselves, and recognizing, um, where is the other piece that I wanted to go into? The acceptance, uh, actively seeking others who have different stories from our own as the is the acceptance piece um with responsibility i have a different paragraph somewhere i just called it up to read through it uh, with the responsibility piece um recognizing that there is a responsibility as um growing up white growing up with privilege and recognizing that because of that there is a responsibility to look beyond and I think that that's really, that's really important. And you've, I, I want to say leverage that you've, um, you've been called upon to leverage that because of your background, because of your approach as well. So I think that's, I think that's amazing. What else, anything else that, that we should be talking about? I feel like Dang, this is like, here's your journey. Here's how powerful it is. Here are the nuggets. We've got them. Um, you know, that if people want to find you, you're at uh, victoria-pelletier.com. Correct. Yeah. My uh, my younger one tells me that I'm part of being old and being on, on LinkedIn, which is what the older one tells me. But the younger one says I'm not on Snapchat and on TikTok. So, um, but for all the other social media platforms that your audience might want to connect with me, you can do it just by landing on my personal website and then they can take take you out to Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever of your choice from there. <laughs> That's awesome. I just killed Twitter, by the way, for me on my social. It's like done um but I, de I debated after uh musk took it over and i saw the s show that was going on there whether i would shut it down or not it's not yet there but i'm not very often on it yeah no so any of the other social i you know obviously linkedin um you call yourself old and it's so funny because you're not um you're just not uh 
I think my kids, my kids like to just rib me about it. You're right. I'm not even 50 yet. I had both, although my kids are 23 and almost 19. I had them fairly young. Yeah. Uh, they just, they just, I, I think do it just to like needle and poke me a little bit. Uh, uh, so generally I, I feel young. They're doing their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> right. If, if they're poking you, they're doing your, their job. That's awesome. Um, cool. This is, this is really great. I, uh, I would encourage our listeners, our audience, whether you're viewing this, um, and if you're listening to this only, I, I do want you to go to the YouTube channel, uh, and, and take a look, um, one sharp sword. You got to see Victoria. Uh, and if you're watching this, it's awesome. Also, thanks for being here. And again, go to www.victoria hyphen pelletier p-e-l-l-e-t-i-e-r.com uh good anything anything else last last words that you'd like to offer the audience well thank you for having me it's been a great conversation and last thing would be i think everyone could lead their own unstoppable journey whatever that means to them. I tell my children success will be how, what they define it as. Uh, and so you're the CEO of brand you. Uh, and so go, go after it, go get it, but lean into the discomfort because with it, without it, that challenge and transformation uh, and growth won't come. So true. So true. Victoria Pelletier, thank you for joining me on One Sharp Sword. Really good. Really good. Alrighty, this is One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, my guest today, Victoria Pelletier. Uh, we will see you here, and next time, thanks for joining us on One Sharp Sword. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell the Breakthrough Success Coach and your Powerful Presence Mentor.